Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Okay, well, we are continuing in our study of the book of Matthew, as Chuck stated. Um, We have been considering the fact that we have a Jewish Messiah who has come to Jewish people, um, and he's giving them the message of the kingdom. Um, And again, the reminder to us is to continually uh, consider that focal point, that it's a Jewish man, a Jewish Messiah, speaking to Jewish people. Now, over the the past couple weeks, months, we've looked at then his lineage. Again, I mentioned last week, and I don't want to get into it again, how that again, as we're coming prophetically looking to the future, comes into play. And there are, um, you can go on the internet now, there are people who are claiming to have a Davidic line. Um, And it's interesting because without a temple um, genealogy, it kind of changes things. And so they've had to put things together. But it's really kind of fun to see how this is going to play out in the days ahead, okay? We'll just leave it there. Uh, So we looked at his lineage, um, that Jesus fulfilled all these different uh, prophecies um, about himself. And then as well, his birth, the, um, how it all plays out with the, the wise men, the magi who come as well. And then we have the forerunner who was John the Baptist or John the Immerser. Immerser, okay? That's right. Okay. Again, remember, it's a, it was a participle, okay? And so a participle is an active verb, okay? Uh, or an active noun. So a verbal adjective or a verbal noun. And so it's a descriptor. And so it's John the one who was immersing, okay? And so that describes who he was. He was the one who was immersing. He was down in the Jordan because there was a lot of water there, okay? And so he was immersing, and he had a message. His message was the same as the Messiah, who he was the forerunner for, and that message was, change the way you think. Repent. Change the way you think. Ultimately, then, you'll change the way you what? Act. But you're supposed to change the way you think because... Why? The kingdom is at hand, okay? And we talk about the kingdom of the heavens, which is a Jewish statement. We think kingdom of God, but God reigns in the heavens, okay? And so we went through that as well. But the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. Wherever the king is, the kingdom is. So the king was in their midst. They missed them, but the kingdom was at hand. It was here. And it's because of that, they needed to change the way they thought. He then goes... From there, and he gives, um, he calls the disciples, calls the, the fishermen, Peter and James, and he calls, I'm sorry, Peter and Andrew, and he calls James and John, and he says, follow me, and he gives them a promise, right? And the promise was, I will make you fishers of men, okay? A lot, we don't, again, just review real quick, we don't give that enough credit. We don't, if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus made a, made a statement, what his, his purpose in life for you is, to be not just a disciple, to be to, to fish for other people. That's exactly right, okay? And so Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men, okay? And so if you're following him and if you're focusing on him, you can't help but become a fishers of men, okay? And so that theme of the, the, um, of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, okay, of changing the way you think and, and fishing for people is going to be the theme of, of, of his entire message throughout his entire ministry. It really sums up his ministry right there, okay? And so we began then looking at the message, if you would, of the, of the kingdom, as we looked at the standards of the kingdom from Jesus' 
uh, message, which, again, as Chuck mentioned, is classically referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And so David, a couple weeks ago, spoke on the Beatitudes, okay? And that whole concept of the Beatitudes is to show that the standards of the kingdom are a different standard, okay? The worldview, when you come to Jesus, okay, and if you're allowing him to transform you in, in the renewing of your mind, okay, then the fact is you're going to have a different worldview than the world has. You're going to be looking through God's glasses instead of the world's glasses. You're going to have God vision rather than world vision. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so it's a different worldview that's totally there. So the world says that you're blessed and you're everything if you're what? If you're powerful and you're strong and you're in control and you're in charge of everything. Jesus, and that's not it. Blessed are the what? The meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my namesake. When all those things happen then, when you begin to change the way you think and you begin to think with a kingdom mindset, you can't help then but be salt, adding season to this world you live in. If you're just the same as everybody else, then it's the what? It's the same old, same old. I mean, you know, people put salt in, in Montreal steak seasoning on their steaks when they grill them for what reason? To add flavor. That's what you and I are supposed to do. But if we're the same worldview as the world, it has no flavor at all. But when we have the kingdom mindset, you know what? We give a little flavor to this world. And you can't help then but be light in the world. You will be like cities that are what? Set upon a hill. Not set upon a valley. But set upon a hill whose light cannot be hid. I remember when we went into uh, Terrapoto, Peru, and we flew across the Andes. Okay? Even during the daytime, I could tell where the huts were. I could tell where, because they were up on the mountaintop and they had tin roofs. Okay? And so, in the daytime, what was happening? The sun, the sun, get it? The S-U-N, but let's think S-O-N, was reflecting off their tin roofs so that everybody around it saw it. Now, it's a little bit different illustration than what it was in in, in Jesus' day, but the same concept there. Do you get it? The, the sun, the brightness of God, if you would, okay, using the spiritual illustration, okay, is, was so powerful that it just reflected off of their life. And every, I, flying in a plane way up above them, I knew exactly where each of the coffee bean pickers were. Now, I don't know if they were coffee bean pickers, but you know what I'm saying. They were all up in the mountain, and they were strewn about. It wasn't like I'm looking at a city. I was looking at individual huts, houses, up in the Indian mountains. It was kind of cool, okay? You and I are supposed to be like those huts. That God is reflecting so much off of us, through us, and off of us, that you can't help but be seen. You're going to stand out like a sore thumb. Now, it's not sore to us, but it's sore to the world, isn't it? Oh, you're trying to judge me, aren't you? I'm not, I'm not trying to judge at all. I'm just what? I'm just thinking like Jesus at this moment. Now, I not, may not say it that way, but that's really the, what's happening, right? And so, I mean, I remember with my family, and I can share this now because, you know, of them coming, but I get accused of being judgmental all the time. I wasn't being judgmental. I was just, God had changed what I was. We didn't drink, we didn't smoke, we didn't do all this stuff anymore. Not because I was being so self-righteous and pious in my own eyes. It's just God took it all away. But now all of a sudden, in fact, when I first got saved, the, the, the couple that Marsha and I hung out with all the time and enjoyed hanging out with, you know, in our BC days, okay? We got saved, and we started hanging out with them. We didn't drink anymore. We found out this guy's saved. 
And, and, and he thought I was judging them now. I, I praise the Lord that God got a hold of them and they transformed them and Noel saved. And, and it was really kind of cold. They live in, last I heard was in Louisiana, but it was really kind of neat to serve in the Lord. So, but God uses all that stuff. You can't help it. And then Jesus then continued on then with this. Not only was it a different standard, but last week we saw that it was a, a higher standard. It was a standard of perfection, the perfection of God. And now this can sound really awful, but remember Jesus was talking to the Jewish people, right? And he said to them, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. Well, for them as Jewish people, they're looking at the Pharisees with their white robes and, and everything else and their phylacteries and everything else. And they're thinking, there is nobody who is more righteous than them. But unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will by no means, that's a promise, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know what? I was gone. I mean, by the time I was 10 years old, I mean, there was no way. I hadn't have a hope. I mean, I know who my life was like. I grew up in a city. I can tell you things that would curl your toes. I don't want to. It's not a matter of glorying in my sin. But, again, there were things that even Marcia doesn't even know about my growing up. And so I shared one little thing just a couple weeks ago. She kind of looked at me. I said, honey, there's things that I, don't even, I haven't even shared with you. I mean, I don't need to. I don't need to go into that stuff. But I know by the time I was 10, 12 years old, there's no, I had no hope. There was no hope. And I don't know about your life. But if you were a Jewish individual being contrasted to the Pharisees, you're done. It's all over. That's what Jesus basically told me. And then he illustrated it. I mean, to add it's, uh, insult to injury, right? He then goes and talks about it. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder, but I say unto you, if you call somebody a name, if you say, Racha, so now that I know you're a Hebrew guy, is that empty-headed idiot? Is that right? You guys even use that in your area? Okay, and so probably, you're probably right. And so, just empty-headed, idiot, dull, dull-witted, okay? I don't know about you, but have you ever even thought that towards somebody? Okay, Jesus says what? You're guilty of murder. Whoa, he didn't just kind of, like, destroy the law and get rid of it. He what? Intensified the law. Again, he brought us back to the intent of the law. The whole purpose of the law was to clean us from the inside out, not to try to clean off the outside of the, the sepulcher and act like, well, as long as I'm a clean sepulcher, I'm a good sepulcher. No, you're still full of dead men's bones. Get it? You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, if you lust after a woman in your heart, ladies, if you lust after a guy, even relationally, in your heart, you've what? Committed adultery. And so he's like, slam, bam, 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 you know, smacking them, smacking them, smacking them, smacking them. Basically, he what? He's condemning them. And then he makes this statement at the very end. And I spent time on it last week talking about the fact that it's, in most of his translations out there, it looks like a command. Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You must be, ESV says, you must be perfect, okay? New King James has it right. You shall be perfect. It's not a command. Rather, it's a statement. I think it's a beautiful statement that Jesus, at the end of this whole thing, you can't do it. You can't do this on your own. On your own, you're what? You're hopeless. But you shall be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. How cold is that? I'm not there right now. I am, justification-wise, right? Positionally, I am perfect. But I'm telling you, practically speaking, in my progressive walk, there's a whole lot of dross that keeps being shown in me and being 
And it's, it's almost like, it doesn't seem like sometimes the same dross. It's like, how did that dross jump back into silver? You know? That just shows you how much what? Dross is really there. It ain't the same dross. He's already scooped that dross off and got rid of it. He's just bubbling up more for you. And you realize how deep insetted the dross really is. But there's coming that day when I go through the portal of death. It's not a negative. It's a positive. Again, that's changing the way you what? Think. It's not the end. It's the what? It's the beginning. The beginning of what? Beginning of perfection. When my eyes will see what by faith I have yearned for all my life. How cool is that? So we have this perfection. Now, as you go in then, Jesus continues on that it's not just then this higher standard, but he's going to go on now, and he's, he's drawing this to them because this is very critical. They need to understand the changing the way you think, how critical this thing is, because now he's going to tell them it's a definitive standard. There is no middle ground. No middle ground. You're either thinking kingdom thoughts or you're thinking world thoughts. You're either focusing on God or you're focusing on the world. There is no middle ground. And so this isn't Bob teaching. This is Jesus. This is Jesus' words. Okay? They're not words that we, want, we like to hear. In a lot of churches, what do we want to hear? Feel good. I want to feel good about myself. You know, all the, and this is a feel-good message. It really is. If you continue to focus on Jesus' promise, and that is what? I will make you fishers of men, and you will be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Make sense? But in all that, he's given a whole lot of time to show how imperfect we are and how much in need we have. Why? Because we need to hear that over and over and over again. Because we are so inclined to do what? Think I'm okay. I can always find somebody who's worse off than me. <laughs> Does it make sense? Yeah? We, we love setting up straw men, don't we? Oh, you see Rick over there. Woo! I got him beat. We're good. Oh, shit. I feel good about myself. And Rick's over there saying, well, you see Gerald back there. I mean, I got him beat. You know? and, and I'm not saying we really do that and here. Of course we don't do that here. You know, We wait till we get in our neighborhoods. Anyways. But we tend to do that just like the what? Pharisees. That's exactly right. We are so like the Pharisees. We don't want to admit that. I mean, I saw a couple of your eyebrows go up last week when I said we'd just be like the Pharisees. You're like, you know, we don't want to be like the they're not so very fair, you see. Right, kids? Right? We sing that with the kids every summer, right? I, I don't want to be a Sadducee because they are so very sad, you see. I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not so very fair, you see. They're snooty, they're, you know, but we, we tend to become that righteous, self-righteous in our own eyes. We kind of, the nose goes up, you know, because now all of a sudden I'm saved and I got it together. And we forget what we were like 30 years ago. Maybe even 10 years ago. Maybe even yesterday. Anyways, you get it? Okay. So we want to get into this definitive standard. There are two basic questions um, that you can ask yourself. And this is what Jesus is going through. Two basic questions. It's pretty simple. That you can ask yourself and you need to give yourself a, an honest evaluation of. To know whose side you're really on. The first one is, whose applause are you looking for? Whose applause are you seeking? You're either seeking the applause of men or you're seeking the applause of God. You either want people to say, yeah, right on, good job. Or you want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You're not going to have both. Jesus is going to talk about this in a moment. You can't have both. It ain't going to happen. If you want the applause of men, you're not looking for the applause of God. If you're seeking the applause of God, more than likely, there's going to be a lot of times when men aren't going to like what you think and what you say and what you do. It's very sad. Secondly, 
Your heart's going to be revealed when performing three, then, spiritual disciplines. Jesus talks about these disciplines in the first beginning part. The first discipline he talks about is your giving, okay? About your alms, your charitable deeds. It's your giving. So when you, when you give, he doesn't say if you give. He says what? When you do this, okay? If, when you do this, how do you do it? Why do you do it? He starts getting into the motivation. You know, when you do it, do you do it for people to, what? See you do it? So he says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, if the only reason that you're giving the, the alms, the only reason you're giving the, the gift is for other people to see, then you're doing it for who? Yourself. For the applause of men. Wow! What a magnanimous giver he is. How philanthropic he is. Jesus says what? You have your reward. That was it. Gone. When you're in a church that passes the plate, little illustration here, do you feel pressure to give? You're, I mean, I know we don't pass the plate. That's why a lot of people come. No, anyways, no, for real. Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, years ago at the previous church, I was convicted of this, okay? And we started it. And people were worried that offering was going to go down. Do you know what happened the next week? Offering went up. Because now the people who are giving to God gave to God. And they weren't just giving to what? Men. I don't want a fight art. No, I say I don't. I believe God in this way. doesn't want your $5 tip. He doesn't need a tip. He owns what? He owns everything. And he can supply for whatever he wants to, 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 to bring about. I have no doubt in my mind about that. I mean, if, if we had a need right now that was going to cost $100,000 by the end of this week, and we knew by God that it needed to happen, right? What would happen? We'd have $100,000 by the end of the week. I mean, I've shared that so many times, Right? It's amazing to me. Even this property, what we paid for the property. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but you guys know. I mean, we got it for probably $300,000 less than what it was worth. Marsh and I looked at this property for years for ourselves. I mean, there was once when they were selling this in the, in the woods beside it for millions. <laughs> we just thought, what? <laughs> I don't even think I can get an acre of that, you know? But when God wants something to happen... It's going to happen. Does that make sense? So if you're giving your gifts, if, you're, if you only give in a way that other people know that you give, you've missed it. You're revealing the fact that your heart is all about who? You. Secondly, when you're praying, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, look what he says, when you pray, okay? When you do these things, verse 5, you shall not be like the what? Hypocrites. Again, we've talked about this before, but repetition is the key to learning, Okay. So, what's the key to learning? Good, there you go. Okay, so, um, so what's a hypocrite? Well, it goes back to the Shakespearean days. It's kind of fun. It's the mask, okay? And so, there wasn't female actresses on, on the stage. They were all guys. And so, now I'm playing Ophelia. And so, I just put the picture of Ophelia in front of me. And I speak like this. And I talk on my lines. And so, J Romeo and Juliet, you know, kind of like, worry about that one. You know, the guy who's Romeo, he can talk like this. But the guy... The Who's Juliet has to talk like this? And so, and so they put the mask in front of them and they talked like whoever they were. I learned that in the military. Now, you guys, I mean, I know so many people don't believe I'm really an introvert, okay? But I've learned my role. And I praise God that God has allowed me to be able to get up in front of people and speak. It's a whole lot easier now than it was 25 years ago, okay? But when I was in the military as an officer, I had to learn that who I was, okay? I didn't feel like an officer. I was a kid from the streets of Pittsburgh. 
I worked in a steel mill. I sold shoes. Make sense? I was blue collar all the way. But now all of a sudden I'm what? White collar. Okay? And I have to learn how to look, see, look at the inside at a moment, the inside of my hand. You know? Anytime comes along, somebody's going to do what? And you, know, you don't go to the AIT area. You go down to AIT, all those privates kind of stretch out in a long line. And they all start going this way. Hey, sir. Hey, sir. Hey, sir. And you're like, hoo, 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 hoo. You're walking down. People on the tape don't even know what I'm doing. I'm saluting. Anyways, so yeah, and I'm exercising my arm muscles, you know? And so, but I had to learn to do that. When I went on to a field exercise, again, I worked at Communication Electronics Board, okay? So you guys have heard this. This is mobile subscriber equipment, okay? We worked on this. We tested this in, in Europe, okay? Of course, it didn't look like this back then, but you didn't have this back then. You wouldn't even have known that, okay? This was all brand new stuff. Shows you how old I am. Anyways, and so when it went out onto these field exercises, and then those, those dishes that you have, the, um, the DirecTV dishes, that came from the Special Forces Burst Communication System, SS, SFBCS. Anyways, we tested that at Fort Bragg. Anyways, and so when, when I would go to those sites and there was all these units that were there, even though I worked in an office behind a computer, I was a programmer. I was a civilian in uniform. The guy who worked next to me was a sergeant. His name was Bob. His wife's name was Marcia. How fun is that, right? Okay. He's the guy that first took me to the church where I got saved. Secretary used to love it. Bob, Marshall's on the phone. <laughs> love it. That's getting old. Which one? <laughs> because we didn't have cell phones back then. You know, didn't patch into whatever. It was just somebody had to go pick up a phone. Anyways, some of you are young. You're thinking, why didn't they just tap it to you? Anyways, so a lot of fun stuff, okay? But I had to learn that he wasn't Bob when we went on to that test site. He was Sergeant Keyes. I was Lieutenant or Captain Corbin, depending on which phase it was, right? Even though he might call me Bob when we're sitting next to each other, even though he might call me Bob when we were at church, when we went to Fort Bragg or wherever else, I was Captain Corbin. And he had a what? Salute me. I had to learn my what? My role. I had to change the way I thought. Do you get it? So... The same concept as we're coming and we're playing into this, okay? That when you pray, do you tend to pray only around other? Where is the place? So, for me, when was my saluting? It was only for what? Others to see, okay? There's a place for that, okay? But you know what? It's not for your prayer time. Your prayer time ought to be an extension of your personal prayer time. This week, we're having a week of what? Prayer and fasting, for those who choose, okay? Every night, we're going to gather together. I want to encourage you to come. I don't want you to necessarily stay away because you don't have a personal prayer time. I want to encourage you to come so you learn how to what? Pray. It's a training time as well. A whole week of praying. That's all we're going to do when we get together. 7 o'clock, we're going to sing a hymn, a couple verses, and then we're going to what? We're going to pray. It's not teaching. It's not anything else. It's praying. We're just going to pray. People say, is that all you do? That's all we do. Pray. That's revival. Going before God, that's revival. Okay? You don't need me to preach. You don't, we don't need to have somebody in to tickle our ears. Revival is going before the, in the, before the throne of God. But I hope it encourages you 
if you don't have personal prayer, to spend time in prayer? Do you tend only to pray when others are around? It's a struggle for me, because especially having a small house or whatever, you know, trying to have prayer time. It's, you know, literally, you know, getting on your knees, and then I hear somebody coming down the hall. I don't want to what? You know, so I, I get up, and I, but I, it's like the Lord keeps banging me. It's okay if they see you kneeling, but I still feel like I don't want to what? feel like I'm doing this in public. Does that make sense? Okay. So have you ever seen War Room? If you haven't seen War Room, find War Room, right? Okay. I don't have a closet to do that to. Anyways, but pray. When you pray in secret, your Father will what? Reward you openly. Okay. Secondly, the harder you're praying. Are you mumbling meaningless prayers? Now, this is really interesting. The word here, when it says, when you... Um, when you pray, verse 7, do not use vain repetitions as the what? As the heathen do. Look what he continues on. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. In this manner, then, therefore, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And da 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 Right. I grew up Lutheran. And so every Sunday, what did we do? We said, they are our fathers, okay? If you grew up Catholic, you learned they are fathers, you memorized they are fathers, but you also learned the what? The Hail Marys, the rosaries, okay? And so you go in to the booth, and you say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. What is it you've done, my son? Well, I have thought evil thoughts of Rodney. Anyways, <laughs> I was looking at you, thought it come out. I thought evil thought. He says, is that a sin, my son? No, anyways, um, you missed it. Anyways, so he said, and so what would he say? Yes. <laughs> no, that's what he said. He said to me, is that a sin? Anyways, no. So anyways, so he said, go and do what? Three Our Fathers and five Hail Marys, and you'll be okay. So think about this. I'm not picking on Catholics. Am I right, Michelle? Okay? I'm not picking on Catholics. We tend to do that as well. Okay? But those are vain repetitions. I love the Lord's Prayer. Father, who's in heaven? Your name ought to be what? It ought to be hallowed. It ought to be holy. It ought to be consecrated and treated as the, as the most precious thing there is. Lord, I want your kingdom. I want your will to be done on earth. Just like it is in heaven. But you know, when you start praying like that, you're praying with what? Thought process. When you're only saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and lead us not into, or lead us not into temptation. Forgive us for our debts as we forgive those who, um, as also we forgive others. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Make sense? And you just do what? And you get through it. You get through it. In the morning, Lord, bless Jessica, bless Sam, bless Gabrielle, bless Hunter, bless Matt, bless Brooke, bless, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot their kids, Lord, I'm sorry, yeah, bless that one too. And, 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 and bless Tim, and bless Madeline, and bless Ben, and bless Andrew, and, and bless Anna. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now, there's nothing wrong with me remembering my kids, but if I'm just what? I'm babbling, that's exactly, I'm babbling. I'm just going through a list. There's no thought process in it. And bless him, 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 bless him. Why, why? Can you throw that pink Cadillac in for me as well? Okay? 
don't use vain repetitions. Why? Why? What is prayer? What is prayer? What is it? It's talk. Okay, it's talking to God. Okay, yes, now you're going. It's talking to God. It's what? It's personable. Remember we just talked about in, in the, when we are doing the scripture memory, right? Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they may what? Know you, gnosko, intimately, relationally know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. I got a relationship with him now. Before I got saved, he was just God. Make sense? He was the one to appease. But you know what? He's my Abba. He's my daddy now. He's the one. I haven't shared this for a while, but I, when I, soon after I was saved, I was out. We were working with youth, and I couldn't get to sleep. I won't tell you all the reasons. Anyways, um, but I was, had this day vision, you know, nighttime, but day vision, where God was on his throne, high and lifted up, and it became like a transformer. You get, some of you guys old enough to remember the transformers, you know. And it became an easy chair. And he says, but I'm, still, I'm your Abba. Come sit in my lap and let's read a good book. Now, that's for me. Don't read it right in your Bible. This no, you know. But it was something I needed. My dad was a Marine sergeant. Only for two and a half, three years. But it stuck. He still has a crew cut. And so I love my dad. I love him now. But back then, I would have said I respected my dad. Does it make sense? I got the fear of the Lord. I understood the fear of the Lord. But what I needed to learn was the love of my father. And this is a relational thing. So when I come down and say, oh, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so. Oh, yeah, Trump. Yeah, we got to bless Trump, too. Da, 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 da. Amen. It's not a relationship. Do you get it? That's the whole gear here. That's what Jesus is getting into. Quit, stop the mumbling, meaningless, memorized words. It's a heart relationship. Thirdly, What's the theme of your prayer? Is it self-focused or God-focused? Note in Jesus' model prayer, his patterned prayer, for us to kind of follow. This is a pattern, okay? Note what he starts with. He starts with what? Praise. He starts with praise, okay? He starts by focusing on who God is. That's where you need to start. You need to focus on who God is. He's holy, holy, holy. He is so set apart. Your sin is like a... Like a like a like an odious stink in his nostrils. You got to get it, because the next step's going to be you're going to have, have repentance. Then, right? Because of who God is, you recognize who you are, and there's going to be a desire to say, "What? Forgive me, forgive me." And all of a sudden, everything's going to start coming into place. Because then, when you get into this asking phase, what are the things you ask for? Just your basic needs. No, I want steak. Boy, Lord, I'd really have a filet mignon tonight on my, my plate. Lord, I'm not content with driving just something with four wheels and, and a steering wheel, or four tires and a steering wheel. What I really want is a... <laughs> there you go. At least somebody's being honest. No, not there. What color, Steve? Red. There you go. Okay, good. All right. I mean, I knew if it's coming out, I mean, you do a little bit more. We won't ask you, but I'm sure you've got a whole laundry list of it. And I'm not picking on you, but that's who we are, right? We have this. But when we start to focus on who God is and we begin to realize who we are, all of a sudden our, our what? Our desires change. What we really start focusing on starts to change. God, I just want to make sure my family is what? Fed. In Proverbs, it says, 
give me not so much that I forget who you are, but give me not too little that I feel like I need to steal. I love that. I paraphrased it, but you get it. That's what it says. I want just my daily bread. I want just enough. God has continued to give me enough. Again, you've heard that story so many times. God has not left me over these 15 years. We started out with nothing. Then we, the church gave us a raise of $200 a week. God is continually. How do you do that? How do you live on that? But God, you, you, it's funny, I must have said it enough because you even heard it on, on one of the messages, right? God has done it. I mean, I don't know how else to tell you this. I'm a living testimony of God's provision. God just meet my needs. And you know what? He has. Over and over and over. I, I, I don't understand it. But then, lead me not into what? Temptation. I mean, it's just one quick line of what I need, or what I want physically, just my bread. But then I start focusing on what? The spiritual stuff. We're going to come back now. And then he ends with what? Sorry. With praise again, right? For yours is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Amen, right? But then he goes on to the effect of our praying. This forgiving side. Because within there, this repentance side, that I'm focused on who God is. I begin to realize who I am, right? And I ask for what? Forgiveness. But Jesus felt it was important to come back here and to give us just a little bit more teaching on this. To let us know the power and the effect of of a God-centered prayer life. If you don't forgive others, neither will what? God forgive you. What ought to happen when you focus on the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the purity of God, the truth of God, and you begin to recognize what? Your own putridness, right? And you ask him to forgive you. What should be the follow-on in your thought process? Are there other people that I need to forgive in the same manner? Are there people who have offended me like I have offended God? Are there people that I'm withholding forgiveness from? What would I do if God held forgiveness from me like I hold forgiveness from somebody else? Jesus said, look, if you don't forgive others, do you believe the words of Jesus? Which is nice, then we can claim all these other promises, right? Don't want to claim this promise, though, do we? If you don't forgive others, neither will God forgive you. That's not a promise we'd like to claim, is it? But it's a statement that he made. I didn't make it. Don't look at me. Jesus made it. So I'm going to ask you, as I ask myself, are there people in your life that you're clinging to with bitterness? That you're having a hard time or a refusal to forgive? If you are, this is pretty calm right now, pretty quiet. That person that God just brought to your mind is the person you need to forgive. I mean, I'm talking about forgive like God forgave you. Like it's gone. Like the debt's been paid. That's a hard thing. I'm not saying erase memories. God still knows everything I've done to him. But he's what? He's forgiven me. More than that, he paid the debt of what I've done against him. 
I'm watching, no social commentary about this, but I'm watching Brett Kavanaugh get toasted over something he did as a teenager. Whether he did or he didn't, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It's one act that they can bring up in his entire life. Okay? I don't want a public office. I don't want a national ministry. I don't want any spotlight, because I've already said, by the time I was 10 or 12, I already proved how decadent I really was. It didn't get better from there. Does it make sense? I lived on the other side of the railroad track. I got a lot of trash in my past. I don't want it being brought out. Does it make sense? I mean, I'm praying as I, this is Kavanaugh. God's using this thing with Kavanaugh just to, 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 just to bam, bam, bam me. Not, not negatively, but to make me realize how good, is, how good his grace is. I mean, if that's the only thing that the world can be picking on this one guy, man, if I was out there, there'd be a field day going on. I don't want it. I love my family too much for that. But Jesus takes that standard, doesn't he? If you can't forgive somebody else, God's not going to forgive you. It's a powerful statement. Third discipline it's, a, it's fasting. Looky, the, the church doesn't know anything about fasting anymore. It's sad. It's very sad. Now, around the world they do, but not in America. That's too much like negative. I mean, you want me to go without eating? Maybe even drinking? Maybe fasting from my music? No way, I can't do that. Fasting is whenever you give up something in order to, to focus on God. Let's just simplify it. Okay, because we're in the spiritual realm here. There's other reasons to fast. It could be for a political situation or whatever. Makes sense. But we're talking about a, a biblical situation. Okay. Now, classically, it's giving up what? Food. Okay. Now, in the Bible, whenever they said they fasted so many days, that's because they weren't fasting in the evenings. It's kind of like Ramadan. Okay. We can pick on the the Islamics um, and Muslims because they feast all night. Okay. And that shows an improper heart. But Biblical days, they still would eat then a, a meal in the evening, okay? Whether how much it was, I'm not going to go into, okay? But they would fast during the day, and then they would have a snack in the, what? In the evening time, okay? That's why in specific places it says that they fasted for so many days and nights, okay? To let you know that it was a, a full time, okay? Um, so Moses, Jesus, it was 40 days, food, food and water, Okay, 40 days and nights, okay? Food and water. I'm not telling you to do that. That was a what? A special occurrence, okay? Okay? But I'm going to challenge you on this, okay? Note, first of all, the fact of fasting. Jesus didn't say, if you pray. He said what? Or, I'm sorry, pray. I'm sorry, fast. When you fast. That's exactly right. When you fast. It's not an if. It's a when. When you fast. Now, they were, the disciples of Jesus were accused of, of not fasting, but what was told them when they, when they accused the disciples of it? Do people fast when the bridegroom is what? With them. Of course not. This is the time of feasting because I'm here. But the day is going to come when what? When they will fast. Okay? So we know that Paul and, and Barnabas were chosen to be missionaries, Acts chapter 13, when the, when the church of Antioch, when the leaders of Antioch were what? Fasting and praying. Do a search on fasting. You'll be surprised how much it's a part of who the church is. Okay? And so, it's a spiritual war. 
This is a spiritual discipline. Okay? And so this week, again, you don't have to fast. I'm not telling you how I'm fasting, if I'm fasting, when I'm going to fast. Make sense? Because that's the face of fasting. Okay? I mean, I hate going into these weeks. It's important because of my job as teaching and training. This is a time where we have as far as teaching of spiritual discipline, right? It's important from the life of the church for spiritual warfare as well. However, I'm not telling you whether I fast at different times and how I fast at different times. Make sense? I don't want anybody to know, okay? That's the whole point, okay? So if you fast this week, I don't want to know you're fasting. It's between you and the Lord. We're not going to have a, a sign up here so we know how many people are coming to pray. We're not going to have a checklist how many times you have prayed. I'm not going to ask you, did you pray in the morning before you came? Did you pray in the afternoon? Were you like Daniel? Morning, noon, and evening fair. I mean, did you, you know, when you, it doesn't matter. It's between you and the Lord. Get it? But what I want you to see is that fasting is important. Important enough that Jesus brought it up right in the midst of all this. Okay, But again, it's all about God, not about me. I've got to move. So, so, in review, those who seek their applause from men have the reward. Those who perform these spiritual disciplines out of a heart focused on God will be rewarded by God. Um, I'm going to fly through this next, because we're gonna, I'm going to be unparalleled. I'm going to come back and finish this message next week, okay? Because I've got another half to go. So, so close your eyes. You don't know any of this, because you're not going to want to come next week. So, what is your focus in life. I got to ask myself that all the time. What's my focus in life? You know, it's easy to look at me, and I'm not picking on, okay, and say, oh, that's Pastor Bob. Clearly his what? Focus is Jesus. It's not always. Man, what a struggle. I'm just like everybody else. There's no temptation, troublesome situations overtaken you or me, but such as what? Common to man. College football. Pro football. I mean, I grew up with football, you know? I mean, from Pittsburgh. I mean, what else? You know? You know? And so, I mean, all this stuff. You know, and so next week, we're going to talk about finances a little bit, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm not anxious, but I'm having the plan a little bit for retirement. I mean, that's kind of looming on the horizon there, you know? And so I'm, I'm thinking stock market stuff. I got money going into um, uh, mutual funds. I'm, I'm analyzing different fund sites and that kind of stuff. And man, it, it just gets frustrating sometimes because it's fun for me. It really is. As a math major, it's kind of fun. But I get fr- it's frustrating because it tends to do what? Begins to absorb my thought process. Same thing. I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten to the point where you're praying or your people are praying all together and you're waiting for them to pray for you? Okay. There's no temptations overtaking me, but such as what come to mind. That's why I can say this stuff, man. I can be open and honest because I know you're struggling with the same stuff I am. You are so self-centered. I know. I've got to put a bunch of mirrors up. I'm looking at myself. <laughs> it is. We are. We're so... F- so, I've got to work on this. The focus on my life. Am I self-focused or God-focused? <laughs> now, the real question. What would God say? We can lie to each other, but God What? He knows the truth. That's exactly right, Trinity. Very good. What changes need to be made to your life? Not, you know, the question. It doesn't say, are there any changes that need to be made? What changes need to be made to your lifestyle? Will you take a moment right now to ask God to change your heart and to help you be faithful, to be more kingdom-minded? We're going we're gonna to take a moment to pray in just a moment, okay? And I want you to take that moment. I want you to be serious with it, not just wait for the hymn to show up, okay? But take that moment and ask God, God, what needs to change 
in my giving, my praying, my fasting? What needs to happen in my life that I can become more like you? Is there then a need to change the way you think? Repent, and therefore change then the way you act. Let's pray. You pray, and I'll close it in just a moment. Stand with me as you 